1: Hi, I'm T2, and I support Gen X Grown Up through Patreon
0: because they're super gentle to my wires and boards. I think you should too. Go to patreon.com forward slash Gen X Grown Up. welcome back gen x grown-up podcast listeners to this the backtrack edition of the gen x grown-up podcast i am john joining me as always of course is mo hey everybody you know the george is here hey how's it going guys if you spent any time in your youth talking about saving throws half elf paladins gelatinous cubes alignment charts or encumbrance then this backtrack belongs (laughs) in your bag of holding (laughs) We're going back to the basement to remember the origin, impact, and lasting legacy of the granddaddy of pencil and paper role-playing games... Dungeons and Dragons. I am so excited. <laughs> I know. Mo, we talked at the end of the last episode that, look, we all know and play Dungeons and Dragons, but Mo is like head and shoulders above us in his knowledge and expertise yeah. with DD. And so this is going to be the Mo show. We're, we're excited. It's another one that, I mean, Mo has all the expertise. He's done the majority of the research. And I can't wait to learn more about this game that I love growing up as a kid.
1: Mo's so excited. I saw his desk rise three inches when we started the podcast. <laughs> Only 3? Sorry, Mo. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, yeah, I just got that. <laughs> well we, we picked this because the new film is coming out, I think, tomorrow. The, the day this drops yeah. is the day before yeah. the new film comes out. And frankly, the way movie releases are, you probably see it today. The reality is Honor Among Thieves is out. Uh, it got good early reviews, it had some early screenings. I'm Hoping. excited about it. And We we saw that coming and so you, listener, you can go and watch it right now. We have to wait another week or so before we can see it at the time we record this. But yeah, I'm sure we'll be talking about it in the future uh, coming up. But before we get into talking about Dungeons & Dragons, it is time for some fourth listener email. Look, there are three of us. We know that we're always here. If anybody else listens, that's the fourth listener. I know, George. Sometimes you listen. (laughs) (laughs) The fourth listener this time around, though, comes from Facebook. Troy V. dropped us a line and he messaged us saying, sidekicks you missed. Well, you have a couple. Oh, right? really miss a couple. Uh, he, ha- he does have a couple. Yeah, a okay. couple in each category. <laughs> he does. So oh, wow. He had an exhaustive list of sidekicks that he thought we missed in our Gen X era sidekicks. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to run through these. I think some of these don't qualify because of the categories we had, like, you know, when it aired and that kind of thing. But there could be some here that we missed. Okay. So I just want to get your take on them. Okay. I want to thank Troy V. for going through the work of jotting all these down. Yeah. Yeah, and several Facebook. It. He just, listened. He did. You know what? <laughs> you know, I can't ask for much more than that, yeah. Troy. So thank you. All right, here we go. Let's run through them. He says some notable ones we th- he thinks we missed. Balky Bartomachus, Bartakamus whatever from Perfect Bart- Strangers Bartakamus Bartakamus. Yeah, uh, I think uh, he's, he's, a main character. he's not wrong in that one. They're right, right? okay. both the main, main guy.
1: characters, but he's kind of the side. It depends Kate. on which one is the primary, right? Yeah, it's that in argument right we had in the episode. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's probably
0: one. What about Penfold from Danger Mouse? Absolutely. Not a cartoon that I know. Do you think so? Oh yeah, we oh, yeah. that one? I
1: thought we talked about that one. I thought I remember Mo mentioning that one. Mm, no, I we didn't talk know. about Danger Mouse. I don't recall, but yeah, okay, that's really? probably a miss. Yeah, okay, yeah, we'll give it to him. Uh, Stimpy from Ren and Stimpy. We
0: talked about that. We said it's in the '90s, so we kind of yeah. we, we thought that would slide because yeah. I would
1: have loved for that one to have been in there.
0: Oh, me yeah. too. Yeah, and Chumley from Tennessee Tennessee Tuxedo for the same reason. Oh, well, that's, that's a But that's in one. the '70s. That's not even Tennessee 80s. Tuxedo. Or oh yeah, 70, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, You could have
1: been talking about Chumley from Pawn Stars either way. But no, he says Tennessee
0: Tuxedo tuxedo so okay. I, I think i thought about 70s. that one that's why we didn't eh, okay, baby. okay yeah right. we could have probably squeezed it in if we wanted to fair yeah all right then he has some tv show standouts lamont sanford from sanford and son i don't know if he's a yeah, say, yeah. Yeah. 70s i mean yeah, i think so okay. sanford was the main guy right
1: oh no question
0: yeah yeah he's the star of the show right yeah ken molanski from the perry mason mysteries i, I don't, don't know that one don't know. so don't know that one that's why we missed it i guess any idea george heard of it no Nah. Nah, okay. Uh, Steve Urkel from Family Matters.
1: Nope. That doesn't count. I think he's 90s. Character? Is that right? Uh, 90s, 80s, 70s. Doesn't matter. He's the star of the fucking show. Yeah. So he's not
0: the sidekick, you think?
1: Okay. Like, he How many people the star know show? that show as yeah. Family Matters? And how many people know it as the Steve Urkel show? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the
0: Urkel show. Yeah. Okay. Name a character from Family Matters. Uh, <laughs> so here's one, George. You're a big Cosby show fan. Cockroach from the Cosby show.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. Cockroach was, one. Um, yeah. He, he could absolutely be there. He was yeah. Um, yeah. Malcolm Jamal Warner's best friend.
0: That's right. Okay. All right. What about uh, Larry Dallas from Three's Company? I think we talked about that one.
1: That's the guy, the creepy guy who always hit on the two girls when he would come over. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we talked about
0: it and dismissed it for some reason. I don't don't remember. He wasn't really in it enough. A psychic has to be there.
1: Yeah, he's kind of just a comic relief. Part of the problem, too, is- you're talking about cockroach from the comedy show. He's a sidekick to a group of people. No, he's a sidekick to one person in the group. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. What about uh, Paul Pfeiffer from The Wonder Years? Yeah. I that's never his really watched this show. Best friend. I'm Gotta not sure. Be. Yeah. We'll, we'll give you credit
1: for I'll that. I give one. credit for it because I'm not sure either. Again, 90s though. Right? I think it was, yeah. Uh
0: Cherie Johnson from Punky Brewster. Never watched that was it. her best friend. Yeah, I don't know. It might just be we didn't enough of us didn't watch it. Alfonso <laughs> Spears from Silver Spoons. I never watched it.
1: Yeah, I watched Silver Spoons, but I don't remember
0: it, so. Gotcha. Okay. What about Screech from Saved by the Bell? Is that 90s? Not a sidekick.
1: That's an ensemble piece, and he's one of the ensemble. There you go.
0: I like that. All right. There's a couple more from movies. What about Doc Holliday from Tombstone? Was he
1: the sidekick a, in that? Not a sidekick. No. It's an ensemble piece, and he's actually one of the three main characters. One in of the, the mains. Yeah. yeah. I disagree with this one, just on principle. Martin Riggs from Lethal Weapon? Nope. was he the That's sidekick cop film. Neither one of them no. is a sidekick. They're, They're both
0: equals.
2: equal partners in the movie. Yeah, I think so. What do you think, Mo? Joe Pesci's character could be a sidekick from Lethal Weapon.
1: If you're talking about Lethal Weapon 3 and 4. Lethal 2. Well, two, well, three. 2, 3, and 4. Yeah, yeah maybe. Okay. I has a sidekick in that, but not Martin Riggs. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: It, it, okay. And it, it, he's just kind of comic relief. He's not one of the main characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about Spike Nolan from Brewster's Millions?
1: Is that J- Possible. John Candy's character? That's the John Candy role mm-hmm. to Richard Pryor. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. that could yeah. That could be a sidekick. Yeah, that might have
0: been be. a miss. Okay. And this one, I think we talked about Garth Algar from Wayne's World. Again, they're 90s. a duo. I don't think they're sidekick, and it's the 90s. So, yeah. Yeah. Still, I mean,
1: if you're going to have to choose one of those two as a sidekick, <laughs> he would be the sidekick. He would be it. Yeah, yes. I guess so. Yeah. He's yeah, he's kind true. of the
0: dopier one. Yeah. Whereas Wayne is, yeah. Okay. It's
1: not enough. a Garth story. It's a Wayne story. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It's true. All right.
0: Well, thank you, Troy. I mean, there, yeah. there's some in there. Some of them we actually talked about. There are a couple misses in there that we could have included. Again, it means you're listening, you're putting some thought into it, mm-hmm. and we, we, Spark some uh, some memories for you. So I'm going to count it as a win, even though we missed a few. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we certainly appreciate your writing in. If you would like your email featured here on the show, like we did with Troy's, who actually hit us up on Facebook, the easy thing to do is just uh, open your email client and type in podcast at genxgrownup.com. It goes right to our inbox. We read every single one. And most of them, like Troy's from Facebook, will eventually make the show. All right. With that good business behind us, it is time to try to roll a natural D20. Mo's going to be up, ready.
1: The team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA.
0: Be sure to subscribe to or follow Gen X Grown Up wherever you listen. And while you're there, rate and review the show, too. It helps more than you know.
2: Your dungeon master has placed you in a dreadfully precarious position. You're playing the most phenomenal game ever created. Your skin grows cold from your first glimpse of the enormous beast. It's a product of your imagination. Survival depends on a quick, decisive move. Your choices are limited. Stand and fight, or run. Use your lightning bolt. Victory is yours. Win the treasure. TSR Hobbies. Dungeons and Dragons games. Products of your imagination.
0: We are talking in this episode all about Dungeons and Dragons. That Look, it's, it's, an, it's a seminal part of the Gen X experience. Yeah. I mean, look at any, look at E.T. They're playing Dungeons and Dragons in the kitchen. Yeah. Look at Stranger Things. They're playing Dungeons and Dragons in the basement. Anytime there's, I mean, E.T. was in the 80s. But the point is, anytime you talk about the 80s, if you want to show some kids doing something nerdy, they're playing D&D. <laughs> and there's a reason for that because yeah. it was, I'm not going to try to take your thunder, Mo. You're going to tell no, us no. why it's so damn popular. I mean, I just know oh, I love hold it. Hold on.
1: But why don't we, yes, Before we get to Mo, let's just go ahead and do something right away, because just like my wrestling podcast, this is one where you and I, John, are not going to have some. So let's just record a few things that you can loop in later that'll be appropriate (laughs) when you need them. So, yeah, let's do the office. Just get this out of the way. Yeah. So let's do 10 seconds. of Yeah. Mm. Ooh. Mm. Really? Nice. Oh, okay. damn no <laughs> holy shit what i didn't know that no that can't be right <laughs> that ought to be enough i think that's good <laughs> that's good all right you guys can go now all right take it over we'll, we'll talk to you <laughs> now. Talk right. to you tomorrow Mo. see you guys later <laughs> <laughs> just just oh. lock the door on your way out mo <laughs> turn off the lights
0: <laughs> Why don't we begin, Mo, talking about the beginning, like where Dungeons & Dragons came from, where the idea came from, and how it initially hit our radar?
2: Well, first, let me describe what Dungeons & Dragons is. I mean, I'm assuming everybody okay. knows, but, you know, hey, good, good point. maybe you come yep. people who don't really know what it is, right? So what sure. Dungeons & Dragons is, is a paper and pencil game where people take on the persona of certain characters in fantasy world, mm-hmm. generally. Uh, so you could be a dwarf, elf, whatever, and then you have different classes, fighter, magic user, whatever. And then there's a dungeon master that creates and runs a world. So in a way, it's like... It's kind of a living story is the way I can think of it, Mm -hmm. except when there's things that could come up that you could maybe be part of chance, like whether you're going to hit something, whether you can accomplish, read something, whatever, then it's determined by dice rolls depending on your skill. And it's a perpetual game where you get to keep these characters and you're continually trying to grow them. So Mm -hmm. again, that's essentially what it is. Yeah. No.
0: Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't even an edit.
2: (laughs) Fill an edit here. Okay. (laughs) But the game was originally created by Gary Gajax and Dave Arnes, and. and- it was really influenced by all the fantasy books that we probably read back then. The Dying mm-hmm. Earth series, there was Robert E. Howard, his Conan series, Ed Grace mm-hmm. Burroughs, Lovecraft, Moorcock, you know, with his Elric series. You know, Tolkien, obviously, was a huge thing. Oh, I mean, a lot of it was taken straight from that. <laughs> so it was first published in 1974 by TSR, Tactical Studies Rules Incorporated, which was actually a company started by Gary Gygax.
0: I never knew what that stood for. I've typed oh, really? I've <laughs> TSR so many times and never knew what it stood for.
1: <laughs> I never knew about the other guy that Mo mentioned the Dave Arneson guy. Yeah. I never heard of him. I only knew Gary oh, really? Gygax. Me too. Yeah, yeah. That's the only guy I ever knew. Yeah. Well, you can find out why, because basically
2: Gygax stayed with it a lot longer. Mm. Arneson okay. was in there at the beginning and he sort of phased off. Mm. And so again, I'm, I'm going to do some history of Dungeons dragons where it came from. This is going to be a very, very abridged version because we only have so much time <laughs> in fair. this podcast. Sure. There, <laughs> there are literally books written on the history of this game. I mean, literally entire See, this books. this is why I had I'm to sure. do
1: a whole separate wrestling podcast because there was no way I had time in one episode on this <laughs> exactly. podcast to dive into it, To talk right.
2: it all. So the game came out of like uh, basically war games and miniature games that were really popular back in the 60s and early 70s, where you know people would reenact battles, like Battle of the Bulge, and you'd have these big maps, and you'd have your tanks, and you know, you'd try to reenact and do different scenarios oh. and, and try or to play Like replay. actual battles, like war yeah, games. Actual battles. Okay. So you don't mm-hmm.
1: mean like the reenactor guys who go out to the field. You mean like no. <laughs> stuff on a table. <laughs> yeah, okay. the Larpers. Okay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
2: yeah, not them. So that originally it was like trying to do like, okay, you're gonna know, recreate the actual invasion of Normandy, but then they're like Like, hey, what if this changed? You know, what if something else happened? And so they threw an Mm -hmm. element of chance and they started creating rules, you know, for these things. And so from that, it became this huge industry back in the day. Um, A lot of it was homegrown. People writing their own rules, creating their own miniatures and maps and stuff like that. But Arneson, there was a game called Chainmail, which was like, basically they said, hey, let's take this and bring it down to a personal level. So now instead of controlling a fleet of ships or, a, you know, a platoon of soldiers, oh. you're now mm-hmm. controlling mm-hmm. a person. Okay. Got it. And so when you get down to that level, now you're starting to look at a story because now you're mm-hmm. talking about individual characters and you're getting stories behind it.
1: Yeah, because it's not the battle that's important anymore. It's the character Exactly. Mm-hmm. Nice. And yeah.
2: Arneson, who, you know, like you said, is like kind of the lesser known person. He created a game system called Blackmore, which- Took a lot of the original concepts of Dungeons and Dragons. It actually was a game called Dungeons exclamation point, which kind of had like some I've really su- yep as some yeah. super basic rules, and he got some of his other military friend gamers, one of them was Gygax, ran a game through this thing, and they were like, this is incredible. Like, they had such so a blast.
1: Guygax Gygax was one of the military guys, that's yes. just how they knew each other. Yeah, oh.
2: exactly. Mm-hmm. And there was conventions with these people, they would get together, and that's, you know, back in the day, you had to actually, like, physically
0: meet each other, you know? <laughs> that kind of thing. Right, yeah. Now, is this dungeon, I'm thinking of, it's a board game, right? The dungeon exclamation yes. point? Yeah, right? Okay, yeah.
1: Oh, oh yeah. okay. It's not like mm-hmm. a RPG-like Dungeons & Dragons no. was. It okay. was
0: very strict and very tight, but it, it had Right. A lot of the trappings of D&D that were exactly come to know. dice rolls to see if you hit and that kind of stuff was like mm-hmm. oh, kind of came yep. from it.
2: And they had a blast. And Gygax went off and created this whole Greyhawk campaign, which I'm sure if you play D&D, you've heard of Greyhawk because he actually rolled that into like later versions.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And he basically asked Arneson to come back and help kind of really codify the rules. So they came together, they whipped some some rules together really quick. Gygax said that, hey, other people got this idea, so he wanted to publish it quickly. Gotcha. So in 74. He created TSR, they made a thousand copies, which they literally put together in their house, like print, Like they got the printed wow. items and they had to package it all itself, made a thousand copies and sold out like in the first year. Like they sold out now, really fast. When you say
0: Ooh. copies, okay. this literally just a book. Of rules, yes. right? A book of rules. Because that's the thing about D and D. Like literally, you you need the rules, your brain, and a pencil. That's all you yep. gotta have, right? It's not uh, a piece like, really pieces it's to it. move and dice, I guess. Um,
2: and, but it did have like some like some ev- initial adventures and some character sheets and some other stuff in it. But okay. they basically, okay. sent them off to a printer, had them all of this stuff shipped. They boxed it themselves. They shipped it themselves <laughs> from their from their literally Boy, from their dining room.
1: Knowing how much that stuff costs these days, I just wonder what the value of one of those original thousand is. Twenty thousand dollars, if you. <laughs> You have an Ooh. original one, you know. Honestly, that feels low to me. Yeah, actually, kind of does. <laughs> like, I could see those going for a hundred easy. For the popularity of D D at this point, maybe. Yeah, yeah.
2: actually, maybe now it would be more because the one I saw was a price from a couple of years ago. Um, mm. with the movie coming Damn. out and everything else, and COVID was a big thing with helping D D kind of get going. Right, again, brought RPGs yeah. up, yeah. So th- that's when he realized Oh, he sold a thousand copies. They sold out. He said, we're on to something. So D&D, that's it. Yep. So they continue kind of publishing those things. They made, I mean, it, every year it just increased, increased, increased the number of sales. They got more sophisticated, I guess you would call it. And then in 77, three years later, they created kind of two branches of the game one was the basic game which you ever see the box version of D&D which has like mm-hmm. yeah, they created that's the basic version with sim- super simple simplified rules and then they created a thing called advanced Dungeons and Dragons which so, you're
1: talking so about this is the
2: red one, box is that the
0: red box yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that that's what I'm box. thinking that's exactly it says it. basic set on it is yeah, what so it's it says basic set yeah. and it has it has a rule book or, and then I think it has like a module or two like B1 or keep on the borderlands I think really was in that basic, basic set yep. yeah and so
2: this is when – now, Arneson had kind of started – he did his thing and he was off doing his own stuff at this point. But when AD&D came out, and this is when the rift started between the two guys, mm-hmm. is that he actually – they tried to cut him out of the royalties for Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, saying it was a brand new game.
1: Ah, I see. Yeah. So, so I, I just want to ask because yeah. what – you know, it's interesting that they split off into these two r- versions, but do you know why they split off between Basic and AD&D? I mean, what would be the reason to have two separate versions of the same game?
2: was because when they created AD&D, and I'm quoting this in a little bit, it was so complicated. Um, if you ever played AD&D, uh. all the charts, all the dice rolls, like I mean, there's so many factors and modifiers that they said, let's keep a basic game as like a mode of entry. Uh, so to bring down the barrier that, of entry.
0: I see. Get okay. into it. Okay. Enjoy
2: it. And then, okay, we'll hit you with like a thousand page rule book with like a million charts <laughs> that you got to figure out. Uh. Okay. You know, okay. So that's why they kind of did the split. But Arson, like I said, he was cut out, not happy about being cut out because all mm-hmm. like the original heart of the game was still there. You know, a lot of the rules, a lot of things he came Same up idea. with. They went to court, of course. And then they settled basically that he would get equal billing as one of the creators of Van Dungeons and Dragons. And he got royalties as well from the new game, which was only like 2.5% or something like that. But that something percent gave him a six figure income for the next 20 years. <laughs> So,
1: <laughs> I mean, he was again, it feels low compared to what yeah. it should be for a guy who basically got Gygax into it in the first place. If you think about it, without him, Gygax never has yeah. the inspiration to do anything, right?
2: But he had really pulled out of it, though. So I think he was happy to kind of get the money, keep doing his own thing, got the credit. And I think the credit mm-hmm. was the most yeah. important thing to him. Ah, OK. Matter of fact, in 77, yeah. he went off and created like this whole new RPG called Adventures in Fantasy, which was a direct competitor <laughs> to Dungeons & Dragons. (laughs) Yeah, how'd that do? Oh, not well. Uh, <laughs> um, AD&D just totally just unfortunately tranched them. And I think if you can find copies of that, then that would definitely be worth something because they're hard to find. Mm. So anyway, the game continued on, right? Again, I'm, I'm really shortening sure. a lot of this stuff here. Yeah, of course. That's fair. Yeah. So let's jump ahead like to 1984. So at that point, the company was, TSR was, they like said they were making like 30 million in sales a year, which for 784 was pretty good, you know, especially considering oh, yeah. that they had a oh, yeah. game. Uh, <laughs> but the problem is that they were actually barely breaking breaking even. and You mean like as a business? As a business. Wow. And the reason why was that, and Gygax had stepped away because they were actually trying to create a Dungeon Dragons movie back then. And he was like off working on that, hmm. saw the company was about to go under because at this point they were they were starting to go into debt. They were looking to sell.
1: So it was people that he had put in charge yes. of the company while he was away. While he was oh. away that just
2: did hmm. not keep the game going and weren't managing it correctly. So okay. he came back, revamped all the managers, <laughs> created some new modules and stuff, and actually the following year, they had another almost $30 million in sales again which they were surprised. And at that point, they became profitable again because he basically wrote some books, did some stuff that all sold really well. So it just kept bolstered the company, which is pretty amazing that the one guy coming back, it's almost like a Steve Jobs coming back to Apple kind of thing.
1: Right. Yeah. I For those who can't see this because it's only behind the scenes, I just put up my hand and I was about to say, oh, this really? sounds exactly like <laughs> Steve Jobs at Apple coming back yeah. and saving that company.
0: Yep. Yeah, I always thought of Gary Gygax as kind of the man, the patron saint. And yet I then kind of went, oh, sure, it's not just that one guy. There's this big, but to hear you tell it, like he was the guy that started it. And then he's like, okay, you guys run it. And then it didn't go well. And he comes in and goes, no, 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 no. Here's the right way to do it. So I think like the the elevated level I have for him, this pedestal sounds like it's appropriate. Like he really, really
1: was. He had his fingers dirty with D&D even later in the game. Although he does a little bit feel to me like a Ray Kroc kind of character because he didn't invent this thing and he kind of took it over and did his own thing and put his own spin with it. And next thing you know, he's the guy. Like we said earlier, I'd never heard of that guy. Yeah. But just like, you know, nobody knows the original McDonald's brothers, but Ray Kroc is the founder.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I said, he came back, companies started doing a lot better, but then mm-hmm. they started kind of losing their way in a sense. Because like, you know, from 89 to like 95, sales started dropping because they mm. came out with the second edition of AD&D. It just became really complicated. They actually came out with books like with alternate rules. So everyone's like, okay, what's the actual rules? Because now we got these alternate sets that you say are optional, but then we have the actual course set. And when mm. I say alternate rules, they literally came out with like 10 alternate rule books. It was ridiculous. And things just sort of fell off. The sales started dropping, popularity kind of dropped.
1: I wonder if that's not a product of the times as well most of us who started off playing D&D at the early ages would have been like in 89 I was graduating high school you guys were already Mm -hmm. a few years out of high school Mm -hmm. and I would think that a lot of those people would change their interests as they got into different levels of their adulthood and there were other things on the horizon in the late 80s we've got you know the video market boom with VHS tapes Mm -hmm, and video games are doing their thing in arcades and at home going up and down and whatnot. seems like they would have a lot of competition for that entertainment market share of yeah. the nerd culture
2: and maybe that was their way of maybe trying to combat it was just to keep Putting out content.
1: <laughs> put out alternate
0: rules. So you you got to keep up rules, and design right? the <laughs>
2: new rules and get excited, you know. <laughs> that probably worked for like the first one. You know? <laughs> right, <laughs> until it was overkill. <laughs>
0: Going back to that well too many times.
2: So in 1997, um, Wizards of Coast, which you know from Magic the Gathering Cards, they bought TSR out. They basically bought them lock, Suck and barrel. Really?
1: Okay. Yep. Okay. And
2: matter of fact, and they bought Gary Gygax out completely. So they bought all his rights. They bought everything. Wow.
0: Was he still involved or was he just financially he raided, no longer Move on. He was kind of. He was mm-hmm.
2: kind of. Huh. He, he said he did his thing. The baby had grown mm-hmm. up. You know that kind of thing, right? Let's let's let him right. move on to some other stuff. Um, And I'm sure he's got to be burned out. I mean, just doing that one thing for that long, I can only imagine what that must be like. So they bought it out. And it was funny because one of the things they did was they wanted to change the name to just Dungeons and Dragons, like get rid of the word advanced. But really, the only way they could do that was to buy out Gygax because he owned the rights to the naming. Uh, So, (laughs) So they bought him out. So it became basically Dungeons and Dragons again. And they just didn't do much with it for like three years until 2000. And they came out with this whole third edition, which was a big deal because it revamped a ton of rules and it went to what was now in people in the, in the who play role-playing games know the D20 system which I'll go into Wait. that a little bit later but so we didn't have D20 dice in the first game no you did um, D20 okay. is a specific way of ru- doing, running the rules basically it's a way oh. of like mm-hmm. something okay. it, it simplified a lot of stuff uh, they got rid of a lot okay. of complexity behind it and they call it D20 because that's like the primary dice that you roll now instead of like right. percentages right. and other things you used to roll
0: mm-hmm.
2: So then they came out with this new version. It was okay received because I think people were at that point were hungry for something new. So the whole brand new system, D20 simplified things. People were really happy. 2003, they had to come out with a 3.5, which really I think <laughs> fixed things because they fixed a ton of problems with the rules. People were just complaining constantly because there was just, it was vague. There were things that people didn't really understand. If the internet existed in full blown, maybe people <laughs> could go online and ask questions <laughs> and get answers, but they really couldn't. So it was just an
0: awkward time, I put it that way. Do you happen to have just like one example of something that was broken that they had to fix? Do you have any idea? Like it, it, it intrigues me, like what could be broken? Because the rules are kind of interpretive. They were – well, a lot of things like some of the character classes were just
2: not balanced. That was a big problem. Okay. My kids
1: talk about this all the time in video games. They call it being OP.
2: Yeah. Overpowered. overpowered. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And so, okay. so, so playing like something that would be like a rogue was probably underpowered so that, you know, as you advance up with a group of people, suddenly these people are really getting stronger oh,
1: and, and yours is not.
2: not. So that was a, that okay. was a big, big like problem. kind of
1: like being the guy who plays Street Fighter 2 with John, Exactly. Or <laughs> Mortal Kombat with John. <laughs> yeah. Especially when he plays Sub-Zero. That's the advanced Dungeons and Dragons rule set. <laughs> yeah. <That's laughs> I should say
2: when he plays Sub-Fucking-Zero when he plays (laughs) that guy I'm
1: a little I'm a little OP God help you in Marvel Capcom when he's got Ghost Rider Jesus Christ with the chain whip whip
0: whip dead
1: (laughs) (laughs) but we digress Um,
2: yeah so between like 2000 2007 they came out with Really a ton of like, like I think 12 different core rule books, like 50 different supplements. They were just really oh, wow. hitting it hard, mm. really, because 3.5 was pretty popular. So I think they were just trying to bank on that and just get stuff out. Mm-hmm. 2008 came around. They came out with a fourth edition, which is another pretty major overhaul again of the system. And then they, in 2010, they came out uh, with something called d d Essentials, which mm. basically was almost like going back to the basic game, kind of. Again, it kept getting more and more complicated. So sure. people- Coming in new was like, uh, you know, why bother? I don't understand it. It's way too much. So they really wanted to simplify things. So they Mm -hmm. came out with Essentials, which was like another kind of point of entry for people to get into the game. And then what they did in 2012, which was really different, was that they created a fifth edition, but they made it public open playtesting. So Uh, you go online- download the new rules. People played it. There was a whole active things where people commented what worked, what mm-hmm. didn't work. And they it did that for two years. Crowdsourcing, wow. that's smart. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then they published the fifth edition, 2014, and it was free. You could download the books for free. The core so rule books.
1: That brings to mind a question I have for you when it comes to the business model of this mm-hmm. game and this company. And it's I know it's changed hand over time. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. To me, it was a model set up for business failure. The reason being... The main part of the game that somebody needs to have, that's the Dungeon Master stuff, right? He needs the Dungeon Master guide, he needs the monster guide, he needs that kind of stuff. So that's one sale to one guy Mm -hmm. for a group of four to eight people who don't have to buy shit. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's a bad business model because you're automatically not getting money from one fifth of your audience, or <laughs> you're only getting it
2: from one fifth of your audience. I mean, I'd say from a, from a practical set when I like when I played with my group of friends, yeah, somebody may have like the monster manual, but it was pretty quick before you wanted your own copy.
1: Uh,
0: yeah, you know I get I mean? that <laughs> and I did too, the same thing <laughs> yeah well it was like when, when we get together to play D&D it was like what cool D&D thing did I get that nobody else has and yeah you kind of yeah, go true. oh look this module has a fold out map holy crap where'd you get that you know it's, it's that fear of missing out you'd want to like oh well, he has it now I want it even though you didn't need it because the group had a copy yeah, yeah right. devious <laughs> and
2: then you know take us all the way to today so now they actually the books are now part of the I think it's D20 I think it's the website now we can go get all the books but now you actually even for digital versions you have to pay for them mm. and this is the thing that still bugs me though a digital copy costs as much as a, a paper copy you know yeah i have a fundamental issue with that
0: <laughs> and i see it' that's just this one company i feel like they do that to encourage you to buy the physical copy because that's what they
1: want to sell maybe
0: that's what it is a person I,
2: like I, anyway, I like physical copies anyway because i like i mean frame. the books but
1: i maybe they want to encourage you to buy the physical copy but if i'm a business owner no i absolutely want you to oh, buy you the digital, digital that's no sourcing. Pure profit it's, yeah. it's almost the only thing
2: I gotta pay for is server space really so Again, so again, this is a super condensed D&D history. Well done. Then yeah. and now. Again, there's a ton of books out there that you can go and read up on his websites. I mean, there's just a billion sites that you can go to and find things well, out. Well, I
1: know this segment was supposed to be the beginnings of D&D, but you went through the whole thing, so the podcast is over now. Oh, uh, you'd think.
0: Oh, there's more.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is like the, the pre-game warm-up stuff. I mean, this is just okay. setting oh, stages here, so we're going to move on to other Before stuff. Before we
0: get into more. Why don't we just yeah. quickly, I love doing, when we have backtracks like this, sure. do a round table. I would like to know, like, how did you first discover D&D? And oh. I'd like to start with you, Mo, because you clearly have a thorough knowledge of it. Like, do you remember when you first discovered it? It became a, something that you knew about oh, and cared yeah, about? Absolutely.
2: My brother David, uh, he mm-hmm. had cancer when he right. was 14. Um, so mm-hmm. I was like nine or 10. And back then, like, you really, cancer it was a lot of, like, the chemotherapy was pretty harsh. It took a long time. Like, so he was in a hospital a ton. And he went to Memorial Hospital in New York, which is a cancer hospital with the hope in the pediatric area. So he's basically there with a lot of kids who had a lot of time. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, waiting. So one of them brought, D D over and they started playing. He mm-hmm. fell in love with it. And I statue of limitations probably off on this now, so I'll tell you what happened. Is that Ooh, he went okay. to get a copy and they had so much time that they took the guy's books, went to the copy machine in the hospital, and made copies of
0: all the books. <laughs> of the entire
2: book. Of, of all no, the books. Entire, all three books that oh, he made wow. copies of. <laughs> so he comes <laughs> back home with this, because back then it was only single-sided, so it was twice right. the thickness of the regular book. Right. Reams <laughs> of
0: reams of paper. He
2: went to the office of supplies, got the thing to do the binding thing you like pushed the two holes and do like the binding covers for it mm, and he brought yeah. them home for me and I tell you I was up until probably two o'clock in the morning starting to read those things and wow, wow. from there I was just <laughs> downhill for me <laughs> so that's where I basically kind of discovered it
0: yeah yeah I can tell you for my part I, I just I couldn't remember like pinpoint the moment that I knew they existed but it definitely was like an infection through kids at school right the, mm-hmm. they start talking about it like, have you heard about this heard about this and I, I didn't care I like board games but but it, like, it didn't make sense. Like, what do you mean you play it with pencil and paper? So, you know, it's, it's a tic-tac-toe. No, no, no. You know, <laughs> anyway, so ultimately through peer pressure, I went down to the B Dalton or whatever bookstore in the mall and I picked up the basic set that we talked about, the red yeah. box that had the the dice on there. Then you had the, the black crayon that you colored in the numbers so you mm-hmm. could see them on the little flat dice, <laughs> yeah, yeah, which I still have. Actually, I still really? have those wow. original dice. Oh, yeah. And from there, everybody I knew, it was, it was like an infection. People just love yeah. playing it. But I just bought it sight unseen from the bookstore
1: and fell in love with it. Do you remember, George, where you first discovered it? Yeah. Uh, so I was in middle school and two friends of mine in middle school, we had a very small school. So even though I was more on the athletic side of mm-hmm school Mm -hmm. kids kind of thing uh everybody was friends and the two kids who you'd consider to be the nerd geek group in the school jason and dylan
2: had found it and were playing it (laughs) i know right
1: and they um they invited me to play and i went over to jason's house and it was the stranger things basement it was the wood paneling on the side oh that's awesome the (laughs) table and i I remember loving the stories that Jason was telling because Jason was the dungeon master.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, We didn't really play the game real well. There was only three of us. So, you know, like we didn't play the game, but I love the idea of creating my own character and being able to control him because up until that point, everything that was presented in front of me as entertainment was something that somebody else had already done. And I just Mm. consumed it. Mm -hmm. And with Dungeons and Dragons, it was one of the first things that I could direct the narrative on and that yeah. to my controlling nature was very fun <laughs>
0: that's awesome what well, is you you make your own fun with DD, right mm-hmm. it's, it's as much fun as the effort you put into it and uh yeah that's awesome okay when we get back from this quick break mo is going to inform us on some of the things that differentiated dungeons and dragons that helped to make it the powerhouse that it is in rpgs you're listening to gen x grown-up but if you have a friend who's not yet listening why not tell them about us they'll thank you later challenge your imagination to come alive and to battle with the creatures
2: of dungeons and dragons grapple against the forces of evil as a marvel comic superhero Adventure and glory as Indiana
1: Jones. The
2: all new role playing games of TSR and Dungeon Dragons unleash the power of your imagination. Now that we got the history stuff out of the way. Um, really <laughs> the thing is like what made it so popular? And mm-hmm. I, I can tell you what made it different for me, basically was it wasn't like anything else that was out there to play with. I mean, to me, the thing that made Zun Dragons really amazing was that it's all about storytelling. Mm-hmm. The George was kind of talking okay. about with
0: his friend, Jason, right? It's yeah. like this, you're weaving this narrative that mm-hmm. I'm in. Yeah, and you have and you have control over but it too. Yeah, it's
1: not storytelling that's told to you though. You're controlling it right. exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's like you yeah. choose your own the ultimate choose your own adventure.
2: Totally. Yeah, you can do anything, <laughs> right? And also, it was the first game that I ever played that you created perpetual characters. Like your character, your, when mm-hmm. the game ended, your character was still there,
1: ready to play the next time. And you went to advance him, that's you right. to Make him better. You know, you that was the time. source of so many arguments oh, at that yeah. age when jason would kill off my goddamn character just on a whim because he was mad that day because i had hit him with a kickball or something on the play field lunchbox oh, probably we know we know you yeah I, lunchboxes were reserved for the athletes i didn't hit the nerdy oh, okay. kids with Oh, okay. that's that's kind of you so you, talk,
2: uh, you guys know a critical role right it's that web series where these yeah. guys these mm-hmm. professional oh, right. voice yeah, yeah. actors all play dozen and dragons and now you're talking about like invested people right these are really invested people do a search when when the character has died because oh. they but you do kill one of the characters. Oh, I can and, imagine. Oof. Oh my God. It was it was heartbreaking. <laughs> it was actually heartbreaking because oh, this is after no. like a couple of years of playing with this person. And the yeah. character I got died. attached to my character. Oh yeah. They said you give them names, you you imagine what their lives were like, you know. Backstories. Backstories. Yeah. Like, yeah, all this yeah. stuff that relationships, you relationships,
0: people they know, you know, all yeah. the all the baggage of a real life that you weave into this story. Yeah. And sometimes you do it not even for the game, just by yourself. You look at your character and you say, no, you know what? He did this.
2: And you know, I bet mm-hmm. you he like where's this? It just Shit, it
1: took me 10 hours just to draw his portrait in that little square no, box on the damn bushes. And then 30 minutes later he's dead. That's some bullshit, yeah. let me tell right. you. Well, I always just put comma junior and made
0: him level 1 again. I just, I'm not doing that all over <laughs> again. His son is now back in. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I will avenge you, dad. <laughs> it was also the first game I
2: played where you played cooperatively because it was everybody against the Dungeon mm. Master. I, I got issues with that. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, you could have people where you kind of go against each other, but it, it really was meant that you're a party trying to accomplish a goal, generally speaking.
1: But that the part you talked about against the Game Master, mm-hmm. I felt like that was the unfair part of the game. In the games that I played when I was a kid, that's what kind of turned me off to it early on because... Honestly, the dungeon masters that I played with oftentimes just kind of got pissed off about something somebody did or said in the game yeah. that they didn't plan on. And they, they would do some reckless sweeping gesture thing that killed the whole party or I'm taking my ball and going home kind of maneuver. Yeah. And That's to not me, a good me, that was one of the yeah. biggest barriers to continue enjoying the game. So. I've always thought that while the game is important and the rule yeah. set are important to have a framework, the most important thing is having a good group of people who want to enjoy it together, not somebody mm-hmm. who's on an ego trip, because that happens way too goddamn much in these situations.
0: And, and a good dungeon master. And, and I don't mean just like magnanimous and fair and egalitarian dungeon master, but right. you have to remember these people are heavily invested in this narrative you're weaving mm-hmm. and the importance of their people. So, yeah, you, you can't have those knee jerk reactions as a dungeon master. He's gotta be
1: thoughtful about what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta be a good storyteller. Absolutely. And so many people think they are. <laughs> They're not. Yeah, you're right. The key is having fun.
2: That's like the most important mm-hmm. thing. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a game. Yeah. Come you on. can have fun and fail something in Dungeons and Dragons, right? You can sort sure. of really blast. You're like, oh my God, we didn't save the whatever, you know? But Uh we had a great time trying, you know, and that's when a good DM, like, you know, when to bend the rules, you know, when to change. I mean, they are basically God of that world. I've played many games where I'm like, oh, my God, we're all dead. No, sure. (laughs) Sure. And somehow the guy's like, you know, oh, and, you know, so and so they decide that, you know, you had enough and they decide, you know, some right intervention. But, you know, the guy's just helping you out. But still that it makes the game
1: fun. Yeah. You can always tell a good dungeon master when they know something bad is about to happen and they get that look on their face like, oh, I'm really <laughs> sorry. I have to read this. But you rolled a fucking one. Yeah, I know. You know,
2: and actually the critical role. That's basically what happened. The person rolled so bad that Ugh. the DM couldn't couldn't save him. He's like, you just, mm. you just did the worst ever. Um, the other thing I really liked about it is that once you get the books, the game was basically infinite without any more cost, except for paper and pencil. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you wanted, I mean, you could buy modules oh, yeah, and you stuff buy modules, and expand you yourself, all that stuff, but you don't have to. Right? You didn't
2: have to. You know, I spent many, many, many hours creating dungeons and creating worlds and designing towns and putting same. characters in these towns. Me too. Yeah.
0: You know, just because it was now, fun. Now, it didn't you know,
1: feel like a low cost for the game because at that same time, I was putting a quarter in Galaga. Yeah. That felt <laughs> much lower to me than the 10 or twenty dollars that a dungeons and dragon's book would be
2: yeah there were 20 bucks at the time if i remember correctly yeah
1: mm-hmm. but i think you're right that if it was something you could find that right group and stick with for long periods of time you could over time say oh that was a great investment
0: yeah
2: all right I, I imagine agree.
1: if you could play enough galaga to the
0: point that it's always free you know yeah right <laughs> yeah right right no matter how yeah. much you play it'll never be free but you can have enough D stuff and you basically let's get together, together. what does it cost it costs funyuns and mountain dew is what it costs <laughs> yeah, <essentially>. <laughs> <laughs> and pizza in a good day and
2: some pizza oh yeah cheap pizza yep um the other thing i really like is that you again you brought this up george the whole creative aspect of it That you could create mm-hmm. a whole world right
1: yeah that was the part that appealed to me the most
2: yeah and you could make it you know you can make it world where there's no gods. You can make it where God's a part of everyday life. You can make it where, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you can do anything you want to with it.
0: Whatever you want. Tree people. Just exactly. make stuff up. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, right. You just have to follow a certain subset of the rules and go, okay, what type of person? What's their alignment? What is their motivation? Mm-hmm. And then the dungeon master can bring that thing to life. Right. Yeah. And that's probably the most fun is when you create this thing and you bring it to life
2: and you see the people you're playing with are just into it. Like yeah. they're, they're they're with you the whole way. Then you're like, you know, that's a great feeling. That's, they're very rewarding. If you find you
1: know? that dungeon master who makes you want to stay on the rails of the story he's thinking of, yeah. that's the best. But if he's even better that he can see you going different ways and can either create on the fly or have planned out mm-hmm. those alternate routes
2: that's that yeah, i've the only best.
1: seen that like once or twice it's tough to, it's a hard yeah. skill it's
2: not a skill that many people have yeah. that's for sure yeah so another part that i liked was uh basically the minis
0: do you guys ever mess with those <laughs> those may have been my favorite part when i was that age
1: <laughs> they were a all the little miniature figures yeah yeah,
0: just a little. I mean, I remember maybe I got four or five of those little pot metal figures. Yeah, and it was the one and only yeah. time that I tried to paint something and make depth and wash with water and paint. And because I, they had a skeleton that was like Jason from and the Argonauts. You know, I'm like, oh, this is a living skeleton. He had a sword over his head. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I want him to look yeah. mean. He has to have red right. eyes, just because I thought red eyes meant yeah. mean. You know, but yeah, they they brought a lot into it
2: they were a lot of fun actually it's funny my dad years ago found my set of minis oh wow cool and i was able to give them to my daughter so she has them all oh, now. nice so, <laughs> so, excellent. you know, and i was looking at them. i'm like i actually remember when i painted these you know it was, it was
0: pretty trippy to see them because i hadn't seen them in like 20 years yeah. you know it was a huge draw for me the minis i mean the minis were like a passing fad but mm-hmm. the dice are so freaking oh, bizarre that you would never seen before <laughs> everybody and look used to just be dice were dice and that yeah. now i know oh that's a d6 you you, you uninformed, <laughs> unwashed masses, right. guy. But and, you know, and you learn this whole language. It's like a scientific. Well, it's a D four, it's a two D eight, or whatever, yeah. which means and what kind of percentage you need to roll, or what kind of value it is. But when I, the first time I had them, I'm like, these. I, I didn't know you could make different shaped dice. I didn't know. When, yeah,
1: right. and and the 20
0: is bananas because it looks like a ball like how does that work I remember just playing with the dice and buying dice and having
1: too many sets because they were cool yeah (laughs) for for me it was always the four-sided die I always thought that was before I started playing with it I thought that was the dumbest one ever because I'm like (laughs) it's just a flat side guy how the fuck are you supposed to understand and then when I rolled it it the first time and I saw all the numbers at the top or that number missing on the bottom whichever way you wanted to look at it yeah I was like oh that's brilliant yeah <laughs> and now they have
0: d100s mm-hmm. yeah yeah you yeah. know well mo you and i have a d120 that we bought D from one twenty. yep yeah it's basically wow. a ball yeah, it pretty <laughs> it's much is crapper. yeah <laughs> definitely roll it in a dice tower or you're gonna go chase it <laughs> <laughs> or you throw it at somebody if you're mad,
2: but the uh, but say yep. the, the weird dice though that is definitely something that just fascinated me. That mm-hmm. you can make a twelve sided dice, you're like,
0: that's just cool. It's just
2: cool, that's crazy. Like you said, but I think the thing that made D D more special, I think than anything else, was just the whole social aspect of it. If you found somebody else who like played Dungeons and Dragons, like when I went to college, I found a group of people who played, and mm-hmm. it was like yeah. instant friends kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, because we had something in common right off the bat that we can go Shared play language. It's like a secret yeah.
0: club. Like, oh, you know, all the rules and you know how this yep. works and you understand how to suspend your disbelief. Yeah. Yeah. Probably a million other things. But those are
2: things that come to mind for me anyway, that just made it different than monopoly and risk and, you know, for all sure. the other stuff that was out there at the time. It just took creativity. It took imagination and it wasn't it just did. a could Something you couldn't play quickly, that's for sure. Yeah,
1: it, it felt to me like one of the first examples, or at least earliest examples, of a cooperative game. Mm-hmm. Most games that I knew of when I was a kid was me against my parents or other friends who were playing yeah. the Monopoly board game or Risk or Connect 4 or whatever. It was yep. always... Me versus the other people in the game. Dungeons and Dragons was the first one where we were all a team. Yeah. And the social aspect of it, I thought later in life, not then, what a great tool for people who were the most socially awkward people mm-hmm. in the real world. Yeah. To allow them to have that safe, fun space for each other yeah, to that's a good point. enjoy each other's company, talk shit throw Fritos at each other, whatever. It was mm-hmm. s- such a good safe space for those kids. And that's why in some of the first scenes of Stranger Things, when they're playing D&D in the basement, mm-hmm. that's what brings a tear to my eye <laughs> is seeing those kids getting to live that way. Even though, you know, at school, some bully is kicking their ass. But mm-hmm. in that space... <laughs> they're the barbarian.
0: They're or <laughs> yeah. And whether you were the nerd or not, I think the great right thing about role-playing games in general, D&D in particular, is whatever it is... Look, we're kids. When you're kids, you feel like an outsider, you feel like you're not good enough, whatever it is, you can fix that, right? In this game, I'm the perfect whatever I want to be. Mm-hmm. If I want to mm-hmm. be a super strong barbarian, or I want to be an amazing, brilliant wizard, or I want to be whatever it is, you can just project that onto yourself and live that for a little while. Yeah. it's It was so empowering. It still is. It's empowering to go... I I'm living as this right now because I'm not Mm -hmm. that in real life or I want to be that in real life or I'm aspiring to it. And that's another Mm -hmm. social aspect that just makes it so powerful and compelling. Yeah, I agree.
1: I'm Alison Holland, host of the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast.
0: Each episode of Gen X Grown Up has show notes loaded with links where you can learn more about our topics. And there's even more to see and hear over at GenXGrownUp.com.
1: Open your mind to Dungeons & Dragons computer game from Mattel Electronics. It will lead your imagination down a dungeon labyrinth wherein lies the dragon's treasure. Steal his treasure, but make no false moves... For in Dungeons and Dragons, a dead end is a dead end. Dungeons and Dragons from Mattel Electronics. I've made no secret about it on our podcast, gentlemen, that I loved D&D when I was a kid, but then fell away from it. And recently Mm -hmm. I've tried to get back into it. Yeah. yeah. One of the parts of getting back into it that has, that I've recognized is how much the D&D experience has changed. Oh my God. From those early Mm -hmm. days of pencil and paper to the modern days of computer and webcams. So Mo, I'm very interested to hear your take because you are the D&D expert. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: So (laughs) it's funny if you look at D&D to, all its whole iterations in history, it seemed to have this phase of getting like super complex and then getting less complex and super
0: complex and less mm-hmm. complex. You know? I picked up on that during your history. <laughs> yeah. It kind of it
2: ebbed yeah. and flowed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so there was a thing like the original, it was called Thaco or Thaco or T-H-A-C-O, which was the original way that you ran D&D, which, and that's basically stands for to hit armor class zero. That's what it stands for. Okay. okay. Which, that was when you rolled the dice to hit something. To give you an okay. example of how complicated. Say you're shooting a bow at something. It had You had modifiers for how far the thing was. You had a modifier for that weapon against that armor class type. You had a modifier remember for some of that the stuff. height yeah. of the character. You had a modifier for who was higher or lower. You had a modifier. <laughs> I mean, you literally had charts upon charts upon charts. All to figure out that number, which was to hit armor class zero, which was like your basic to hit score. Okay. And they even had a weird thing with, like, armor class zero, like, armor class is the lower the number, the more powerful you were. mm mm-hmm. Yep. So... What? I know. That's the way it was in the original game. Is it golf a,
1: now? We're playing with Dungeons & Dragons? No, it's like
2: <laughs> you went down so that when you were... Zero, you're basically like super. Then even went negative for some things. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. gods had like <laughs> negative because armor that's classes. a
1: modifier
0: on the hit, so it needs to be lower to be a lower, good modifier right. for the who you're attacking, the victim. Yeah, yeah. it was crazy. Yeah. My,
1: my brain is sore. Oh right yeah. <laughs> so I, I mentioned that in 2000,
2: it came up with the D20 rules. So right. that changed the, to hit armor class zero rule. That got basically it got rid of that and said now armor classes go up the higher the more tougher you are, whatever you want to call it. And basically, it came down to like a couple modifiers, and that's it. I mean, good.
1: That's. And it's just <laughs> essentially like whatever the thing is you're trying to hit has one number. Mm-hmm. And if you roll a bigger number, you hit it. Yeah, essentially, more or less. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean there a couple of little the, modifiers that you could do. That's the simplest way to make it make sense to a person who's trying to get into the game, which is what you want. Yeah. Now, there's some people who are, were super into all those charts, though. It's kind
2: of like those people who like. I know it inside and out, and I know da da, and right. I can spout all well, this stuff off. but you don't have off.
1: to
0: use them because there's a, there's an option now to play without all that complexity. Yeah, but that's so.
1: the controlling dungeon master guy <laughs> <It> that <is. laughs> doesn't make the story the centerpiece, which is what should be the centerpiece for me. The, right, it he's using should. the
0: math as this fun, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So
2: that was huge, and then they even came a thing with like. A thing called advantages and modifiers, which is a recent thing, because like instead of all these different modifiers, right? Say your character is super exhausted and he has to okay. do something physical, right? So makes before sense. you have all these modifiers. How exhausted is he? Da, 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 right? Now they basically have a thing called disadvantages or advantages, which is like a disadvantage is you have to roll twice and just take the lower number. That's ah, it. okay, no, oh, okay,
1: that makes sense. You're tired. You're gonna get the worst score. You get okay. the worst yeah. score. Yeah. You know,
2: if the person's lying on the ground when you try to hit him, oh, you have an advantage. You roll the two
0: dice and you get the higher score. I mean, that's just. Make it simple. Makes so much sense, right? Basically, you (laughs) do have a bit of an advantage. It might be a great one or a small one. A small one. But you're going to get it. Yeah. Uh, Okay. That's... That makes too much you know, sense and there's still a chance you could totally screw up too. So that yeah. there's still a chance you could
2: still mess up, but you know, instead of going to more charts, more modifiers, they just said, you know, really keeping the game, keeping the story going is the most important part. You know, you know what that is out. in
1: poker, John? What's that? That's running it twice.
0: Running it twice. Yeah. Yeah. But you what's get that? two chances at it. Well, it's 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 like if there's a showdown and you're like, "All right, I'll tell you what. Let's run it twice. If you win twice, you win. If I win twice, I'm going to win, or if one or the other of us does, we'll call it a draw." Basically, you both get it. you get two chances at the flop turn and river right oh well
1: yeah usually you keep the flop out there but the turn and river get whatever are, yeah. oh, how oh, many times you choose say. to do the run it twice right and yep. whoever wins more or less or even amounts that percentage of wins is what divides the pot yeah gotcha. effectively if you have the 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 odds advantage you get
0: an extra chance to win mathematically because you get to run it twice you get to see two sets yeah. of cards
1: yeah. Oh, OK. And that sounds like what you're talking it, it about. It helps the person with the lower chance, too, because you get more opportunities for your one card to hit. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, that's true. Yeah. OK, yeah. there you go. Well, maybe that's where they get the
2: idea.
0: Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably the other way around. Honestly, some right, d d nerd exactly. said, how can I apply this to poker <laughs> to help myself out mathematically? Exactly. <laughs> but, you know,
2: the, obviously the biggest change, though, is technology. I mean, by far, yeah. the game everything. Is, yeah. is so different than the game I played back in the day. You're virtual gaming now, you know, where you don't have to be in the same spot. Sure. Oh, yeah. You play with other people just through Discord or through, you know, D20 and through all these different sites, you know, SourceForge and these others that you could just play online. You're still talking, you're still social, you know, but you don't have to be in the same room anymore, which is pretty cool. Yep. All the computer stats and character sheets and all the things you had to figure out are just done for you now. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> (laughs) There are free websites to create characters now that do all the math.
0: I think I kind of missed that. You know, I kind of do too um, because in reading the rules, I discovered more – yeah, you know, and, and George talked about spending all the time drawing his guy in the box. Yeah. If you just, if there's are just going to insert yeah. a picture of a dude, I'm missing out on something. So I don't know if I want that digital.
1: Yeah. There's one part that I like about the digital game, though, okay. on, especially Beyond 20. You mentioned, Mo. Yeah, yeah. I love the fact that you can click your skill or your strength number yeah. or whatever, and it rolls the dice and calculates the number for you. I know that's, that's pretty cool. That might feel cheesy or cheap <laughs> to people of the old school like we were, but I love that part of the advantage of technology it's in the game for that little calendar thing that i play now that's a dungeons and dragons Mm -hmm. role-playing style thing i can just hit the little wisdom number and it says well your wisdom is a plus two and you rolled 12 so your score is 14 have fun.
0: Yeah, it's it's really just... That's with anything with technology, right? Because you're gaining some convenience, but you're losing out on some of the analog, tactile stuff. But mm-hmm. the bottom line is, if it doesn't take anything away from the game for you, and I, what I'm hearing is you enjoy it, then use it. You don't have to. It's like the new rules. Right. Just use analog if you don't want to, right? That's the nice thing about it.
1: Oh, yeah. when I get a bad score... Don't get me wrong. I rolled the <laughs> dice right after. <laughs> Fuck that computer. Digital doesn't count. I'm rolling real dice yeah. now. <laughs> oh, I got a two. Here's a D twenty.
2: <laughs> you know, I'm playing right now and using a lot of that stuff because it's like it's just one less thing you have to think about. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah, you know, the modifiers you just hit the button and it rolls for you. It says da da da. It even tells you how it calculated it, so it's not like some mystery. Mm-hmm. So to me, I think it's 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 helpful for sure.
1: And the other people you're playing with that are logged in see the score. So you can't cheat. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that's that's tough.
2: (laughs) But the other thing is like the online game maps and board generation tools. And Mm, I've seen some of tools. Yeah. Again, it's like I I enjoyed working on that graph paper with my number two pencil (laughs) and drawing things out, you know, sure. You know, five feet per square and measuring things out and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff
0: and the hex remember the hex paper like it was like oh, octagons or whatever and you, oh right because it was hex like for overland yeah. travel and i'm drawing little little like hash marks for green or desert yeah. or whatever it was
2: <laughs> oh yeah that was a lot of fun. Yeah. But now though you could do these they actually have like you talk about the AI stuff we talked about on the podcast with like you know, chat GDP, or GP, mm-hmm. e, whatever it is. They have ones now they say, I need a town and it'll make a town for you. <laughs> I mean Oh man. It's it's, it's, wow. it's kind of crazy. But again, like maybe that takes some of the drudge work out. So it says, okay, give me a basic town and I'll go in and modify it and mm-hmm. make it my own, you know, and save you some of that initial, like, okay, I don't want to draw fifty bro houses or something like that. Yeah. But
1: well, the great thing is that the tools are available. You can yes. use them if you want to because that's drudgery, or you can not and do right. it your old way, but it's still a fun game. Yeah, that's right.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And you know, and even you draw up your own custom maps
2: and everything on these tools. I mean, I said they they do some amazing things, like even when they you know, you move your characters on it and and it takes into account like lighting effects. So mm. if I'm yeah. playing with other people online and I could see in the dark, but the other person can't, I see more of the map than they do. Oh, is
0: that what you meant? Oh, that's yeah. cool. Uh-huh. Like that fog of war thing is different based on it's your vision or something. Oh, it is.
2: wow. I mean, it's, it's just cool, which that was a little tougher, but very hard to do actually when you're playing in, like in person <laughs> on paper. But, yeah. you know, it's just cool. Again, it's just some neat things that I think
1: technology is John, added. you didn't hear me tell that Mo could see the troll 20 yards away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't hear it. I didn't I'm know. like,
2: yeah, why don't you go first? <laughs> <laughs> if there's a pit there, just yell, you know? Uh, but, but again, like I said, it's like the technology has really made it something special. And then especially when COVID hit, sure. d d Online virtual play took off like, freaking crazy yeah. of course
0: yeah everybody was looking for a way to to blow off steam and because they couldn't leave ambisocial. the house and be social and be social we were yeah.
2: all missing that you know so yeah. it was something that was huge and i think and a lot of the tools really advanced a lot like like our um you know, work from home, like virtual meetings and stuff,
0: mm-hmm. that advanced a lot because of COVID. Because it course. was pretty crappy yeah. <laughs> just before. Necessity is the mother of invention, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. But before we get to the last segment, real quick, I want to ask you a question. That based mm-hmm. on so much of the stuff that you've talked about, Mo, you know I, I, how the rules have changed, the different mm-hmm. methods of damage and modifiers, and all that. And I look, you know, I look on my shelf at these modules that I've had for forty years, and I go, Well, "Do those even matter anymore? Like, is there any kind of backward compatibility? Can I take a?" Model module from can i take keep on the borderlands that came in my basic set in 19 say you know 81 can i still play that um
2: you can actually okay no you can't play it directly you have to make some adjustments to it but like okay. i bought right. the uh the bound versions of all those you know like the, 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 mm-hmm. right, the big hardcover oh. right the big hardback yeah 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 so pretty. they had that one and they had the updated one using modern rules
0: oh okay
2: yeah so they did it. but you also you can go there and do it yourself i mean and it's really not a ton of work to change because really it's mostly the story Okay, like they, right. they describe in there that's the important part you know yeah. if it's a goblin you can grab a new goblin throw it in there and you're fine I see and all the right. combat so it's really just like there's rules Yeah, like
0: a conversion of some of the stats and stuff but yeah, otherwise exactly. the, the story is the same like okay. armor classes right. so <laughs> yeah, <Well>, that's good <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. so all this stuff I have is not a waste it's still
2: of no, some all. use to somebody and a lot of these online ones I was talking about like source those, a lot of people mm-hmm. have gone through the trouble of recreating the modules out there that you oh. can just grab and play. That's virtually. cool. Nice. Again,
0: it's just, it's so you can what a great in. community around it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's it's a social game when you're together, but then when you get in a bigger group of like the social community, like the, the community, the internet community, mm-hmm. I mean, people are making it better for everybody by just converting these things up. That's so cool.
2: Yeah. You've got questions. We've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.
0: If you're a die-hard Gen X Grown-Up, you can pledge your support by clicking Join on YouTube or by becoming a patron at genxgrownup.com Patreon. Only from the producers of Dungeons & Dragons games, from the very center of the great spiral galaxy to the only planet-offering Star Frontiers game, Driven by a force unstoppable. Not knowing why, but programmed to purchase. Star Frontiers
1: game. Star Frontiers role-playing game's products of your imagination. Whew, okay. We talked about a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, and we're still talking. It ain't
2: over yet. It ain't over yet. But this last <laughs> section, I really want to talk about like just the legacies and the influences and how it's just kind of permeated culture mm-hmm. throughout this whole thing. And yeah. it has. And, yep. and, you know, the simplest one obviously is in other games, right? That's the simplest one. I mean, mm-hmm. after d d came out, there was a whole huge amount of other RPGs that came out. You know, in yep. the eighties they
1: were every week. could throw a rocket mm-hmm. hidden RPG. Oh yeah. I have two that are my favorites Which that came out of that. James Bond. Oh I still okay. have the source book for that one. Mm-hmm. And Shadowrun. That's still my favorite yeah. matter of fact humble bundle just did a whole thing about a whole bunch of source books and everything for shadow run oh, that I really? just bought yeah
0: and you know I never actually played it but I bought a lot of the Star Trek tactical RPG that's <laughs> <Yeah>. based on <laughs> yeah that was you know, a big one. just because again it was reading the books it was like someone had explored these races further and I got to learn more about their background mm-hmm. because they had to dig into well how would they do in a fight how would they do you know what's their integrity like you know so I learned more about the races in Star Trek by yeah. reading those star trek rpg books so it's so funny because
1: john bought it and then his wife sold them to me so i have them in my studio (laughs) not even the same ones but yes that happened (laughs) (laughs) and it's just funny
2: how like each of these rpgs like they did their own little kind of twist like call of cthulhu was like you have this sanity thing that you have to track in your characters you know um the james bond one there were like these hero points i think that Mm -hmm. you could use Mm -hmm. to do unbelievable things like James Bond does like James Bond does and you only had a certain number though you had to to use them wisely but if you wanted to flip a car over a river and have it do a somersault you could throw a point (laughs) at it and do it you know which again (laughs) made made you feel like you were that character that you were one of these superheroes
1: it was new skins before new skins were a thing because Mm. all of this is still RPG based out of Dungeons and Dragons pencil paper putting Shadowrun over the top of it or James Bond or Star Trek whatever Mm -hmm. it was just putting a skin over it that made somebody go, oh, well, it's Star Trek.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, for sure. And they did space. They did. I mean, you name a genre. They did Western ones. They did everything. Mm -hmm. Of course. Somebody came out with a role playing game for it. And some were good. Some were not. But it was still a great time to just explore all of them. The other big thing was LARPing. We talked about that for a second earlier. Right oh now. Lord, <laughs> I never did that. Uh, there was a big group in my college who was into it. it was a same here. Mm-hmm. I knew a big group society in my college for creative society for Anarche- creative anachronism. Anach- that's yeah. it. Yep. And so you know that was another kind of thing. With that was weird, but you know, hey, came out Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the
1: biggest things, Mo, that feels like a legacy for me mm-hmm. is living through a time. When right wing Christian valued media and politicians were trying to tell me that I was a devil worshiper because I liked Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that. That was a big thing when I was growing up. And as you guys both know, I've talked about it a few times. I went to a Christian high school. Mm-hmm. And yep. even though I wasn't playing Dungeons and Dragons quite nearly as much at that point in my life, I still had an affinity for it and I still like to talk about it. And let me tell you, I got suspended one time because I mentioned the fact in the public, in the library at the school that, Mm -hmm. Hey, wouldn't it be great if we could play Dungeons and Dragons here now 30 (laughs) some odd years later, my son went to the same school and they let him play D and D and no problem. I'm like, that's bullshit. Suspend him. What the hell? But I do remember the preacher in our church school, you know, Mm -hmm. church mass thing, whatever you want to call it. Every time, yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. Don't don't play Dungeons and Dragons that leads to the devil every time with that guy. And I'm like, come
0: on, man. <laughs> it was just public paranoia. It was it, it, mm-hmm. it, it was like rock and roll music. It was like video games. It was like, whatever. Again, I, we've talked about it before. It's, it's what the kids were doing that adults didn't understand. And when a kid does something scary or dangerous or hurts someone, they look through the list of like, Oh, look, he listened to the rock music. Therefore rock music was the cause, right. right? Yeah. Correlation is not causality, but that didn't matter. Right. They, every, Everyone claimed that it was. Remember the Mazes and Monsters uh, TV movie with Tommy X. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. 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 The, yep. Effectively, oh, they and and then that one it was made by adults and so like oh they were devil worshipping in that movie like oh my goodness bad publicity <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh. I know they actually had like there was one kid that was actually reported missing in 79 that play LARP in some steam tunnels or something actually they found him uh, later he was yeah. not even in the tunnels but nobody anymore.
1: reported on that part they just reported yeah, on exactly. him going missing I'm sure right. Yeah. right yeah the found part ends up on page 12 below right. the fold yeah. oh yeah that yeah. guy
2: we thought was uh, he's, we found him uh, <laughs> and then there was actually a case where mom actually blamed Dungeons Dragons for a child committing suicide which is tragic I remember that horrible. story you know that's yep. like 82 but it was on all the news it was everywhere and you know it, it's I feel I feel for a parent you know because I can imagine oh, yeah. that you're trying to find a reason for something that maybe there isn't an easy reason makes sense for. out of it right but still because of that though they said that actually this is kind of horrible but in 82 that Gygax said that he was getting death threats. Um, he had to get security mm. for himself. Ooh. And their sales went up by $60 million that year. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Because <laughs> of all the publicity. The publicity. There's no bad publicity. Somebody, yeah. people want to know what's it all about. So, yeah. 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 So, Terrible. did you guys ever watch the original Dungeons and Dragons movie in 2000?
1: Is that the one with Jeremy Irons?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. I passed on that one. Was it any good?
1: You, you could pass on it. Okay. All right. <laughs> like, I tried to pass on the trailer. <laughs> That's how bad it was. Wow. Yeah, it, was, you it, was already not,
2: it was not awesome. Uh, let's put it this way. I think it got like a meta score, like, like a 14. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. It was It was just horrible. You
0: know, really nice fonts
2: of Dungeons and Dragons on the cover, but that's about all the oh, think well, it really okay. had. That's good. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, well, th- this follow-up now, I mean, not a follow-up, it's just the no. next mainstream D&D movie that we yeah. talked about at the head of the show, right, which is The Honor Among Thieves. Uh, and it, again, I, what I saw of that original d d movie, they were leaning into the darkness, to the heaviness, to whatever... And they're missing out on the, all the stuff that you've talked about, Mo, and that we've we've echoed here is that there's a fun to DD. It has these ominous right. you're gonna die dragons overtones, but it's fun. I remember playing yeah. with friends and we're cutting up over the innkeeper is mad because you called his muffins plus two throwing stones. Oh <laughs> and I'm like, that's hilarious because oh, right. well, I didn't say that. Well, you were drunk, you did say it. Oh no, <laughs> right? So you have to argue with your friends. There's the fun element of the game, and it looks from the trailer again it looks like that is what they rolled into this new movie which is why i'm so optimistic for it.
1: yeah the original one didn't have that at all the best scene from the trailer that exemplifies that the best scene in the trailer is where the superhero guy is explaining to him before we go over this bridge there's all these things we have to do and then the one guy steps on he's like i i triggered it i triggered it (laughs) oops yeah it's that kind of bumbling thing that looks fun yeah yeah Yep. Absolutely. How are we going to talk about the movies, though? And we're not going to talk about the best D and D adaptation ever, and that's the cartoon. Oh, oh we are <laughs> from the eighties. Oh, we have to. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I watched. Awesome.
0: That. Was it, Yo, uh, it was, was Danny Most from uh, really? from uh, Happy Days? He was one of the kids on there. Really, I yeah. don't I didn't know
1: that. No, I all I knew was I was in love with the female character. Oh yeah, that's all I do. Yeah, yeah the, the, the jerk
0: guy, that's the Barbarian, jerk character uh, was Ralph Mouth, the guy that played Ralph Mouth in really, Happy Days. Really, no
2: <laughs> yeah. 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 And they they have a modern one, you know, the Legend of Vox Machina, which was based. Yeah, well, you on talked the about critical critical that
0: on the role. show. Yeah.
2: Oh, awesome. it's on Amazon. Uh, it's got proof for another season, so they're gonna have a third season. Mm-hmm. And yep. the, and what they're doing is that okay? Yes, it's Dungeons and Dragons, but they don't make any reference. There's no dice rolls. There's no, it's a story. Mm -hmm. No, the characters, the settings are all from the Critical Role show. But it's, again, it's the story and that's what they're focusing on. And the characters, I mean, the characters. If you do get a chance to watch Critical Role, just watch one because they're all voice actors and Mm, it's hilarious. I mean,
0: you know, when a guy needs to sing, he sings.
2: You know, it's, it's, it's (laughs) you know, that kind
0: of thing. Well, it, it probably is not tough to get voice actors to be in that because there is an absolute, just. Pantheon, and gallery of amazingly famous people. Yeah, who, in the last decade or so, kind of came out of the D and D closet and went. So sort of, <laughs> dude. Like I'm a super nerd. I love this stuff, right? I know, like uh John Favreau. I remember him yeah. saying that he's a big D and D fan. I know Felicia Day was. Oh yeah, of course Of ask. course she oh, is yeah. because she's yeah. a super nerd anyway. Uh Joseph Gordon Levitt. Oh right. Oh yeah. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I know like Aniston Cooper was another big D and D player. Uh, Stephen Colbert. He stretches oh. his nerd. His nerd chops on his show a lot he's like yeah don't try to step to me and challenge my nerd he knows his oh, D&D. Yeah. which he is great played
2: with a critical role uh for our Did he? charity yep oh that's he cool as the first yeah. time he played D in forever and he came in dressed up okay <laughs> like, and he brought he has actually has from the um uh, lord of the rings movies he has sting and he has aragon sword and he brought both oh, of nice. them I mean, because he got the props because he's Steven Go Bear. No, why not? Uh, Vin Diesel, huge D D player.
0: Um, yeah, they came out the unexpectedly, right? Yeah, you would think no, but because he's, he's he portrays himself as this big brawny brute, but really, yeah, he's a he's thoughtful guy. And I remember, I was I was a big well, surprise he's, to see that he's, he's a big also player. a tree. <laughs> okay, he's okay. That's fair. Yeah, that's
2: true. But he had <laughs> like when they did the I forget like the 40th anniversary book or something like that, with the history of D and D in it. He wrote the forward for it. Oh wow, did he? Huh. Yeah, talking about how, how, how it did for. Him and all the stuff he did, mm-hmm. you know. And there's some people that I said they said, "Oh, I play DD. and i am like, "Yeah, we know Patton Oswald. obviously." <laughs> like, that, yeah, right, dude. That, that's like, not dude. like
1: that, like nerds
2: brand, of course. <laughs> yeah, right, you know, <laughs> you know, Ring Wilson. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, that, yeah. yeah. I okay, figured yep. that right off the bat, you know. But um, but Vince Vaughn, which is not what I would peg.
0: Huh. Well, that makes sense. He and Jon Favreau were like creative partners. That's true. That's true. Oh, Good point. OK. Probably D&D and on the side then. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's just funny. Just like you said, all these people sort of
2: came out of the closet that now something that was kind of nerdy and stuff is not like cool, I guess. Or yeah. there's
1: there's two that you had in the list mode that I wanted to call attention to for different yeah. reasons. One of them is Joe Maganiello. Or however you say his name, Mm -hmm. the only reason why that one's fun to me is because he was just in the latest season of Mythic Quest. Yes, he was. (laughs) Oh, and now seeing (laughs) his name on that list, now it it makes a little (laughs) bit more. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then the other one you have on there, this is one that I don't expect you guys to really know, but there's a guy named Paul White, and his professional name is the Big Show. He's a pro wrestler, like the the guy, giant guy, six. Yeah, seven foot six, four hundred fifty pounds. Comes out to it's the big show. <laughs> you know, it's just, the, but I would imagine he. And Aubrey Plaza playing D&D together <laughs> would be the most comical Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> session of all time because, you know, in a heartbeat, she would slap his bitch ass down <laughs> and put him on notice. That, that would, be would be so funny. much fun. And that's the thing. All these
0: people from different walks of life that walk very different paths could absolutely sit down at the same table and play this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah that as- social aspect you were talking about.
2: And, and it's funny though, I've seen lately, there's been such a huge resurgence of reprinting of these older RPGs that went out of print. Like they did one for Call of Cthulhu oh, that I got. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a whole bunch of people wanting to get these because there's still a lot of nostalgia. There's still a lot of, I don't know. Um, just they, they know we have money. Yeah. That's what it
1: boils down yeah. to, really. And they know <laughs> I would
2: pay for it too. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you do. <laughs> so Yeah. <laughs> so if you go to Kickstarter, you can look up RPG and you'll
1: see, and people coming up with their own new role-playing games. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a ton of stuff out there. Every time we go to a convention, there's like two or three of those tables. Yeah. I've got this brand new RPG game that breaks the mold. That's right. Yeah, Every single one of them breaks <laughs> the mold. That's right.
0: Well, I remember walking in. I told you to go to the bookstore. That was – look, D&D was the main reason I went to the bookstore like ever. You know? <laughs> when I was a kid, I mean, yeah, there were books about, you know, smart stuff and young adult readers. But I went straight to the like the, the game section and look at all the d d modules. But even back then when it was, you could argue well, maybe back then its first height of success. It was just, it was modules and dice and maybe mm-hmm. a, you know, a nice velvet bag for your dice. There was not like <laughs> accessories. And just the other day, I went down to 5th and Charles and there are tables filled with stuffed D20 dice and cookie jars that have a dragon on yeah. top and <laughs> reprints of books and accessories and toys and stuff. That This is like a whole new resurgence lately. And this isn't just because the movie's coming out. This has been there for a, few, a couple of years now there's so much yeah. paraphernalia if you're just a fan of the brand there's crap to buy there's tons of cool stuff that i never had as a kid they're so cool now i think this is an older demo is playing the game still and they have right. money and, and so- new people are finding it too
2: both yeah yeah, yeah. yeah for sure now that, um the last number I could find about how many people play D&D was in 2017. They estimated between 12 to 15 million people in North America.
1: Okay. So play D&D. if North America is the U.S. and Canada, that's yeah. about 5%. If it's... Just North America. If it's just the US, that's ten percent. That's right. a lot of people. That's fair. Yeah, that's yeah. a solid amount. It, it, yeah. it is a lot. And You know, it's it's again, it's like that.
0: You know, kind of in the D and D closet. You don't know other people are playing D and D until you talk to them and find out. Mm-hmm. And and then all of a sudden, oh, actually,
1: it's five percent, it, it, and then two and a half percent. Wow. Okay. Yeah.
0: Still, and then you find so. them, and he's like, you have an instant friend. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. we connected over that thing.
2: Yep. Yeah. I can say like probably the best legacy though of all is that I have a regular game with my
1: kids yeah i play every Thursday boy I've been trying to develop that for the last five years but my <laughs> son he and his friends are so young I feel like I don't fit in with them because I'm 52 and they're 20 and that's that's a big gap I'm the oldest one that plays because <laughs> it's, it's my kids and well, my girlfriend's kids yeah you're Mo yeah and the <laughs> girlfriend's kids so I'm like yeah it's like when the game's over
2: I like get out of there as quickly as possible because I'm like the old guy in the room <laughs> I'm tired it's past my bedtime best, my best uh, best best. you're like oh we keep going i'm like no dude it's 10 o'clock i can't go
1: <laughs> you can keep the mountain doing funions i'm out of here yeah i can't oh you got any maalox Ma- Ma- <laughs>
0: <laughs> so when you play with your family do you dm mo or do you play to somebody else no, DM um, actually happens?
2: one of them dms
0: really and he's i he's very good
2: um, is this your son-in-law dms no no this is actually uh no, somebody of uh, amy's sons okay and her son right. does it and he actually has like background music playing oh he wow. does it and it That's changes cool. oh, depending yeah. on what, like it's a fight all of a sudden fight music comes on like you hear fighting music i'm like whoa whoa, whoa music oh no <laughs> what the hell? he's like yeah something's coming out we're like oh crap you know i mean he's mm. does i mean he's really really good at it very creative but it's it's just it's just fun to do something with them
0: yeah it's ready made you have a history with it they learn yeah. coming up that you taught them probably discovered it on their own and it's Again, because it's persistent, you can go play for an hour or for 10 hours, however long you want, because you don't have to get started. Once you're going, you Just let's play a room. Let's play a yeah. town. Let's play a whatever. That's cool.
2: Yeah, very cool. Man, that,
0: like so many of our backtracks. Well, I look back and think about all the things we missed that we could have talked about, but we're not a and d podcast. You can't do every <laughs> right. single little bit of minutia. That, yeah,
1: there are D&D podcasts out there if you want oh, to get yeah. into that. You know? You're going to have to break this into two episodes like you did the wrestling one, I think, at this point. Draw the line
0: somewhere, right? It's going to be huge. Huge. Mo, I, again, I want to thank you for all your research on this and bringing your expertise to the table, your D&D knowledge. Invaluable this was a non-effort, dude. <laughs> non-effort is <laughs> <It was> easy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got all of our ADR done at the beginning, so I'll insert all the wows and uh-huhs throughout the, yeah. uh, the body of the show. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, because <laughs> if we record them now, I'm too tired. You're too t- <laughs> t- you'll, sound, you'll sound exhausted. You don't want that. Yeah. Oh, the like, fourth listener, wow. thanks
0: for tuning in for this backtrack, as you always do. Before we leave, I want to thank another, another generous patron who hopped wow. over to genxgrownup.com slash Patreon and put his money where his mouth is and said, We want to support Gen X Grownup and what they do. It's awesome. And I want to thank you, RC from the NYC, is his Woo-hoo! username on Patreon. And Fantastic. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, see, represent. <laughs> uh, thank you for doing that. Thank you for your, your pledge to us. You're, you're believing in us, everyone who supports us on Patreon. You have a special place in our hearts. You're making it happen. If you would like to join RC from the NYC and these other amazing patrons, as I said, just head over to genxgrownup.com slash Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You can add your name to this roster and help support what we do in getting this podcast to you every week and new videos out and new stuff on the site, all the stuff that we do. It really helps to make it happen. All right. That is going to wrap it up for this edition of the Backtrack. We'll be having another one in two weeks. And a standard edition of our show is coming your way next week. Until then, I am John. George, thank you so much for being here. Yes, sir. Mo, you know I appreciate you, man. Always fun, man. Fourth listener, it's you that we all appreciate most of all, though. And we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. Gen X grown up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.
2: Are shows still
0: sunrise? for grown ups? Your dinner can just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. Grown up. That is coming your way March 30th. You don't want to miss this one. I say that about all of them. Is it ever true? Yes. You don't want to miss any of them. Any of them. Okay. All right. Good to go. Let's go. While it's working. Yeah. Quick. Yeah.
1: I'm just going to sit back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's what I did for your wrestling one. <laughs> <laughs> right. We just had Mo record. Hmm. 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 A whole bunch. I, edited I did it like two days beforehand. <laughs> <laughs>